0: Well, I want to turn to the scriptures this morning with you here today, to First Corinthians chapter two. As you are turning there, First Corinthians chapter two. This is a letter written nearly two thousand years ago um, by the Apostle Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. He began as Saul, the persecutor of the church. He did not believe in Jesus. Like the scriptures would say, he believed he was a heretic, he was leading people astray, up until he had a God encounter himself. And if we were to go around this room or have you message in from online, many of us would be able to share our God encounters. Deb, I'll never forget meeting your son for the first time, hearing his God encounter. That changed his life around. Perhaps you have your own God encounter. Maybe it was instantaneous, like the Apostle Paul's was, where he was literally knocked off his high horse. For some of us, that's the only way God can get our attention. Others, it was a progressive work. Little by little, God's been getting your attention, doing a work in your heart, softening the soil that he might plant the seed of the gospel within you that it might grow and produce fruit, not just for your life, but for others. Well, the Apostle Paul writes this church, writes to this church in Corinth, in this Greco-Roman culture, by no means a Christian culture or even a Judeo-culture. They were used to many gods, they were used to Really having no God conscious whatsoever. Not sure of what life after death would look like. Now, I would like to talk to you for a few moments as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. A simple message entitled Between Here and There. Between Here and There. Most of our life is spent in the in-between. I believe this is a timely message for us this morning. Part of the reason is, is because in many ways we're between 2020 and now we have just entered into 2021. And the Lord only knows what the new year has. The Lord only knows what this afternoon has. This coming week, this coming month. We live in the between the here and now. Many years ago, there was a man that was living in the in-between as well. His life dream was to be a missionary. In fact, I have a picture of him up here, he's an interesting looking character. Thomas Bromwell, anybody ever, first of all, that's quite the beard, come on somebody. All right, now, now they get some good product to he, to help us look a little bit better with beards and just hold that slide just for a moment. His life dream was to be a missionary, and it looked as though it was finally coming true. As the nervous young man at the time, this is a little bit later of a picture. He sat in the missions agency office, and he assured the interviewers that he and his new bride were committed to working hard, managing their resources, and sharing Christ with as many people as possible. His future looked bright. Then it all seemed to come crashing down. His dream began to fall apart. Young Thomas, during his cross-cultural preparation, he and his wife soon realized that she would never be able to endure the rigors of overseas. Her body was frail and fragile. Their intended target was to go to Africa as they had planned, but if they went, she would certainly die. Confused and crushed, the young man returned home. He was in the in between. He knew what God had laid on his heart, but yet he didn't know how it all come about. His tragic tale continued as he tried to become a minister, or a pastor of a church. The first blow had left him devastated whenever he failed at this next endeavor, it left him somewhat depressed. One night he awoke from his sleep, feeling the weight of his failed dream. His hands were clammy and temperature ran high. He was a bit angry. Did you ever get angry at God? Did you know he could handle it? He was a little bit angry. He was baffled. He began to wrestle with God over his calling. How how could God call him to change the world and then close all the doors of ministry. It was during this time in prayer that God reminded him of his original commitment, the three things he committed to the Lord, to work hard, to manage his resources, and to share Christ with as many people as possible. There it was. Bingo! His attitude completely changed. It suddenly struck him that he could do that wherever he was at, so he prayed that he might be able to continue to work and do exactly those three things. He decided to work for his father, who was a dentist at the time. He had a small business on the side that produced juice for church communion services. As his father grew older, the young man took over the business and determined he'd use it to touch the world for Christ. He would keep his promise to financially support others who could go overseas as missionaries. He built the company into a huge enterprise and In fact, perhaps you've purchased some of this juice before. It was Welch's grape juice. Between here and there. In fact, Mr. Welch was actually his last full name. Mr. Welch was not only given given huge sums of money into world's missions, he has impacted the world for Christ on mornings such as this. We're across the nations. We gather together. Each of us have a call of God in our life, but so many times we get stuck between the here and the there. What next steps am I supposed to take? How am I supposed to fulfill the call of God? If I'm not standing behind a pulpit or a podium or I'm not singing up front, does that mean God's call on me is nonetheless? Absolutely not. God is always up to something, friends. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 begins to give us a clue, and it's actually a reference to an Old Testament passage that we'll also look at. If you have your scriptures, make sure you open up there or in your Bible or your phone or wherever you're looking at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, However, as it is written, would you say this with me? What No eye has seen what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 continues this thought. These are the things, read this with me, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. It starts off, the Apostle Paul, describing what God, how God works. He begins by saying, no eye has seen. Would you say that? No eye. So many things of what we do involve our eyes. They're precious to us. Here in the last year, I've had to finally break down and get reading glasses. It finally hit me. Closing in on 50 and all of a sudden had to get reading. Now some of you grew up with glasses and that's cool too. But I've been holding out and literally holding out. Trying to figure out how to work this through. And all of a sudden, I, I swear, all the labels on bottles have gotten smaller. Anybody else notice that? The font has shrunk in the last few years. I don't know what they're doing right now. Though no, I have seen, so much of our life, we look at our phones, we look at our computers, we look at our TVs. We look at the world around us. We, we come in, we, we observe. But can we just be straight with each other this morning? We don't always see what God is doing in the natural. Well, maybe you're much more spiritual than I am. But oftentimes, I don't see right away all that God is doing in the natural. Why? Because oftentimes what he's doing in the spiritual doesn't show up in the natural right away. It says, no, I has seen. A few years ago, I'm, I'm a Philly boy, born and raised in the Philadelphia suburbs and in Philadelphia itself. And, and a few years ago, the, about eight years ago, the Lord moved us from the metropolis of Philadelphia, about 5 to 6 million people, to the large city of Shrewsbury. Somebody say Shrewsbury. This metropolis is about 3,600 people. Yeah. I remember whenever I got the call saying, Pastor, we got your name from somebody, and would you consider coming down and and, and candidating here? And I looked at my wife, and I said, where's Shrewsbury? And so... Just like you, I got on Google real quick as I'm talking to them and had to zoom in in central, central uh, southern York County and check that out. So as we moved there, it was much more of a, well, not much more, a complete, um, a, a drastic difference from Philadelphia. And um, one of our dear friends was a farmer. Well, as we went there, I we had to do some yard work. I took out a large deck. And so we had a large plot of land. Um, that we had to plant some grass in. At least it was large for me. Okay, it probably wasn't even as big as this. It was probably just from there over. But we had to plant some grass and so I, I called one of my farmer friends over and he had a, a skid loader and he helped me load some dirt and put it down. And, and then we planted grass and another one of our friends dropped off a hay bale, a straw bale, because um, that, that was his business. And he said, after you plant the grass, make sure you spread, hey, the straw out. And so I did all this, laid the dirt, planted some grass. I think I overseeded a little bit because you wanted to make sure you got to be square in there. I spread the straw out. And I looked at my farmer friend and I said, so now what? And he explained, you know, every couple of days, if it hasn't rained, make sure you, you water it. And then he said, how will I know if it's working? I wanted to check about every other day to make sure I did it right because I had no idea what I was doing. And he goes, whatever you do, don't trust your eyes. I said, if I can't trust my eyes, what am I supposed to trust? That's all I've got here in this process. He goes, goes, no, 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 don't trust your eyes. He says, trust the process. And I said, Dan, I'm not sure if I'm following you here. I just did the process, now I've got to keep checking to see. He said, no, don't walk on it. Don't check on it. He said, God's put the power in the seed. Don't trust your eyes. We just got done with the year, can I put it this way, that we couldn't trust our eyes. Everything that we're seeing around us seems to be falling apart. Life is changing, culture is changing, um, how our kids are doing school has changed, and, and may, perhaps in time all that may go back to the way it had been. I don't know what's down the road. Um, everybody that tries to claim that they do, I don't trust anyway. But yet we know who holds tomorrow, friends. We can't see, we don't always know. This is why scripture says that we don't trust our eyes. We walk by faith, not by, because our eyes can be deceiving. He continues on teaching them how to discern the will of the Lord. Know what eye has seen and no ear, say that with me, no ear, no ear has heard. There's a lot of voices clamming for our attention these days. You have the politicians clamoring for our attentions. You've got the news channels clamoring for our attentions. Um, you've got um, shows. You've got media. You've got social media. You've got friends. You have family. There's many voices clamoring for our attention. You've got others' voices that certainly oftentimes are, are loud. You also have, if I can call it this, the self-voice now, it's okay to talk to yourself just don't answer yourself back but we do we, we have you know if you're going into a difficult conversation do you ever have the conversation before the conversation yeah we, we have self talk and, and for some of us some of our self talk is a little bit broke we're constantly speaking death I mean what does scripture say that the power of life and death is in the tongue be careful with your words friends and especially be careful with your words to yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken things I didn't know that I was even speaking in the moment. Let me, let me just share a few of these pieces with you. Um, the first time this happened to me, we were, um, we were um, actually pastoring in Philadelphia. And We were pastoring a, a new startup church. And sometimes whenever you're walking with the Lord, sometimes finances are not abundant. Anybody else ever experienced that? Sometimes they are, and other times they're not. I'd rather them to be abundant. Come on, somebody. But other times we're walking by faith and because there's nothing in our wallet. And I'll never forget, we were moving to a new place. We lived one place for a year, and we we're um, going to be renting another place. And as we were moving in, somehow I, we missed it. Um, there was no refrigerator there. And at the time, we had three kids. Now we have four children. And I don't know about you, you kind of need a refrigerator. Okay, there's this thing called milk and eggs and food and leftovers. And, and so as we are moving in, I'll never forget, my wife looked at me, and she goes, Jason, what are we going to do for a refrigerator? Because she knew our bank account. Uh, you know, I, I could have swept it under the rug with somebody else. Now nah, it'll work out. She knew what was in our account. And I said, don't worry, babe. God's going to take care of it. Now, as it came out of my mouth, can I, I know I'm supposed to be more spiritual, but doubt filled my heart. Jason, did you just lie to your wife? I, I didn't know how it was going to work out. And so there we are, and I'm a little bit stressed anyway, because moving is never an enjoyable experience. And um, we're moving things in, and um, all of a sudden, one of our deacon's wives, and we hadn't told anybody what was going on at this point, and it had only been two days since we'd found out anyway, and, and her name is Beverly, and, and Beverly came over the house, and um, she was um, near in retirement age, so she wasn't really much good for moving furniture, okay, never would I even ask Beverly to do that, she's a gem, and so we were moving in you know, dressers and mattresses and and Beverly goes, oh, Pastor, wonderful place here. I said, oh, Bev, I didn't think you were coming over. I knew you knew you had to work all night, and she was a nurse. She goes, well, God told me to come over here. And I said, oh, yeah? I said, well, what can I do for you? She said, no, God said you needed something. And I said, oh, I, th- I think we have all that we need. You know, I'm slow, but sometimes I'm worth waiting for and she goes, no, no, I said, I think we got all the help that we need here. She goes, no, 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 God, God told me that you, you needed something and I needed to provide it. And I said, oh, Bev, I said, God, God's taken care of us so many times. She goes, I know, and he's called me to take care of something for you. What is it? And she got a mother voice. You know how moms get whenever they're not getting the answer that they want? Amen, mothers? Yep. And... um I said, well, I said, Bev, I said, you know, the only thing that I can think of is we somehow missed this in the process, and um, there's no refrigerator in this rental. She goes, well, there it is. That's what I'm supposed to provide. I said, Bev, I can never ask you to do that. She said, well, is your wife available? And so I called Renee, and she um, Beverly goes, can you spare, spare your wife for an hour or two? I said, I guess so. Where are you guys going? Because we're going out to get a refrigerator. I said, yes, ma'am. And so there they went. They were at, I think it was Home Depot. It was one of the, the big stores. And um, there they are. They're starting to walk around. And whenever somebody wants to bless you, you don't want to ever take advantage of it. Okay? And so we, Renee began to pick out some of the, the smaller ones, the cheaper ones. she goes, oh, no, that won't do. Well, how about this one? Oh, no, you've got a big family. You've got, at the time, we had one on the way. The fourth one was getting ready to make the entrance. and um, She ended up picking out a refrigerator, one of those French door ones with the, the bull house. For the next ten years, it was more expensive than any car we owned. Whenever God does things, he does all things well. But here, Scripture says, what no ear has heard. Sometimes we don't hear what's going to be happening. We need to be careful with our words, but the voice of others, the voice of self, but friends, the most important voice that we need to hear between the here and the there is God's voice. That this is the way, walk ye in it. This is why I hope that here in the new year, you've made some type of Bible reading schedule for yourself, friends. That every day that you're tracking, because wh- why, wh- why do you need some type of plan? Because if you don't have a plan, it's kind of like having, I'm um, shooting an arrow and then later on painting on the target. But if I don't have somebody to track with it, I, I tend to lose track of how many days it's been. We need to get God's word into our hearts, into our souls. Then he says, not only that. By the way, Jesus oftentimes ended his messages with, He who has ears to hear, let him, what? Hear what the Spirit's saying. What is the Spirit saying to you for this new year? We know all the other voices. What's the Spirit saying to you? Begin to write those things down. Those are the promises of God. Then it says, No eye, no ear, no human mind. I mean, the thoughts of man are vast, our imaginations run wild, but they are oftentimes limited to our resources. I like what Martin Luther used to say, or he wrote technically. He said, you can't help a bird flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. You know, thoughts come, thoughts go. Be careful which thoughts you hold on to, friends. You can control your thoughts. This is why we're taught in Romans, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But then at the tail end of this very brief discourse, it says that, These things, the things of God, have been revealed to us by His Spirit. So at one point we we could not see, we could not hear, we couldn't even imagine the way God's going to work things out for us and through us and to us. But hear me this morning, the Spirit has been given to us to reveal the deep things the Lord. It's not because we're smart enough. It's not because we're good enough. It's not even because we're good-looking enough. Somebody just elbowed their neighbor. You shouldn't have done that. It's because the Spirit of God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, reveals those things to us. Now, all this that he's beginning to teach the church in Corinth is actually taken, as many New Testament scriptures are, from the Old Testament. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 64. And this begins to give us some instruction of what to do as we're waiting for that voice of the Spirit, for the Lord to direct our steps. Isaiah 64, we're going to start with verse 4 and go a little bit into verse 5. It says, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye seen, very similar, Right? To what the Apostle Paul was talking about. God hasn't changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. In fact, if you have your own paper scriptures this morning, make sure you underline those who wait. Or circle that there. Verse 5, the beginning part of verse 5 says, You come to help those who gladly Say these two words with me do right, and who say it with me remember your ways. What do we do in the between the here and the there? We get some clarity here as we go back to Isaiah. And it says this the first, who acts on behalf of those who, what does it say? I hate waiting. I had a poster up on my wall as a young man, Lord, give me patience, but please hurry. The other day, my friend over here, we were just talking about Chick-fil-A and the lines. Oh, if you want a line, go over to Chick-fil-A. Now, they they do get the lines moving pretty quick. It's impressive. The other day, we were traveling, and um, we were at Starbucks, and um, for whatever reason, during the, the holiday season, there was about 15 to 20 cars ahead of us. I said, baby, I don't need coffee this bad. So we hopped on the highway, and she convinced me very gently at the next exit that we did need coffee that bad. I had ears to hear. Come on, somebody. Anybody married out there? So we stopped, and we waited behind ten. Those who wait. Now, Isaiah, this ends up being a, a word that he uses quite often, right? We're very familiar with it. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting. Waiting is not a passive thing where we're just fiddling our thumbs. We wait in prayer. We wait in faith. And we even wait in obedience, friends. We do what we know in the moment, and then we wait for God to reveal the next steps. Those who wait on Him. You come to help those who gladly do right. What are we doing between the here and now? Sometimes we wait, then we also simply do what's right. Why? Because God blesses us whenever we do righteousness. Let, let, let me do the reverse. He doesn't bless sin. Let's call a spade a spade this morning. God does not bless sin. You want God to bless your life? do what's right. You're not earning his favor. That's already done through Jesus Christ. But if you want your actions, if you want your money to be blessed, do what's right. If you want your bank account to be blessed, and I've already told you, sometimes we've had stuff in the account, and other times we're praying for refrigerators. At all times, we've made sure we tithe. Why? Because I knew God would bless obedience. Sometimes he provided the refrigerator. Other times, we had tuna and green beans. But I gave God what was his. And today, I look back on my life and I say, look what God has done. I feel so overly blessed. Recently, we just said goodbye. In fact, yesterday, we said goodbye to my son who's going over to the mission field in Mexico. Blessings of God aren't always financial, friends. There was a day and a time I thought I'd have to take my oldest out. Oh yeah, you know exactly what I'm saying. You know, I have to lay some hands on a teenage boy? In the name of Jesus! Damn! The <laughs> Blessings of the Lord, they come. But we have to do what's right now. Is it always easy? No. But I've got news for you. Living in unrighteousness ain't easy either. Whenever we're living for ourselves or we're living in sin, friends, it leads to heartache. We walk in obedience. And then it finally says number three, those who wait, those who do what's right. And then in the third one, it says here and Isaiah, revealing to us what we are called to do and those who remember your ways. I love this one. You know, if, if I was writing the scriptures, I probably wouldn't have included this one. But God does. As I read this, I tried to, Lord, Lord, what are you trying to say here? Remembering your ways. And he says, Jason, my ways are directly related to my character. What I do comes from who I am. It's his attributes. It's his personality, if you will. Who is God? What is he like? In fact, this morning, I'm going to need your help for a moment. Share a few attributes of God. A few moments ago, I'll, I'll throw out an obvious one. We were singing the goodness. God is good. What else is he? Just start calling him out. He's merciful. What else? He's faithful. Forgiving. Loving. Long-suffering. I I tested that one a few times. He's kind. Holy. Gracious. Righteous. Amazing. Keep him coming. Come on, friends. Long-suffering. Merciful. Yes. The goodness of God knows no bounds, friends. Why can we trust whenever our eyes don't see, our ears don't hear, our minds don't know? Because we serve a good God. The goodness of God is great in our life. He has proven himself over and over through the generations, and I can attest he's proven himself over and over in my life, and I bet you you've got some stories too, because some of the same attributes you begin to share are the same ones that came up in my spirit. Can he be trusted? You better believe it. Very recently, about a year and a half ago, I should say, you ever know you can know something intellectually, but emotionally you have to be taught over and over again. And about a year and a half ago, actually, no, it was only about a year ago, it was leading up to last year's Christmas, Um is whenever we were allowed to gather together and all, remember the, those good old days about a year ago? And I was at the Dollar Tree, because right? nothing packs in the gifts in the stockings better than dollar gifts. And there we were, and of course, there, there's a lot of lines during this season. And Emily, I don't know if you might come back on the keyboard while I share this story. And one thing is certain during the Christmas season is that oftentimes families go out together, and uh, this one mom, she had a couple kids with her. Now, they were younger kids. Um, one was... He was walking, but he was in a stroller, probably just to keep the kid corralled. Amen? Sometimes you've got to keep track of your kid. And so he was in the stroller, and the other one was too old for that. He was probably about five or something like that. And one of the toys she had gotten them, it seemed just to keep their attention for a little while, were those glow sticks. It was just one of these sides, just like this. You know what I'm talking about? And... And um, it was, a, I don't know, about a good half inch across in diameter. And the little boy was just holding it in the stroller. Well, I'm kind of watching all this unfold, wondering how long this is going to take. And um, all of a sudden, a scene that's happened in my family, perhaps you've seen it in your own family. Big Brother snatches the glow stick right out of the little kid's hands. Well, you, you know what happens next, right? They're screaming. Mom! And you know, it's just something that we've all experienced in all of our families at one time or another, and, and there's this kid screaming, and, and, and the little brother, "I'll give it right back to you. He's trying to convince the little, one, I'll give it right back to you." And mom's like, "Did you take so you get this whole family drama thing going on?" I'm like, "Oh man, I, I just wanted a few stocking stuffers." And as I was kind of going through a few things myself at the time, trying to figure out where God was leading, what he was doing, I felt like I was between the here and the now, in the no man's zone. I knew God could be trusted, but I didn't know where he was leading. So I was a little frustrated. And all of a sudden, something happened right before my eyes the little boy that had taken it, the five-year-old, he knelt down by his little brother. And he says, I took it because I want to show you how it works. And he takes it because the kid's still crying. All right? It's never as clean as the story goes. And what, he, what do you have to do to get those things to light? You have to snap it. You have to break it. And so sure enough, he bends it well, that makes the little one screaming, Mommy's breaking it! And no sooner did he break it a few times, all of a sudden, what was on the inside began to shine out. And at this point, she'd already paid, and they were starting to seal off. And I'm watching all this unfold. And the little boy, the, the five year old, tells the little brother in the stroller, he goes, See, sometimes I had to break it before it works. And it was in that moment the Holy Spirit says, Jason, this frustrating season you've been going through has been me breaking you so that's what I've put on the inside can come shining through to the outside. And for some of us this morning, we've been in the in-between. And we feel like You know, this isn't going right. The timing's not right. We're frustrated. We're questioning. And even as a nation, we've been a little bit on edge. Just just a little bit. But could it be church of Jesus Christ that the Lord's been wanting to use this time to stretch, to break, to crack there, so that what's on the inside can come shining out and fulfill its purpose? Maybe, just maybe, we have to be broken before we become useful. And this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But you've already declared that we serve a good God. You already know that you're serving a merciful God, a holy God, a just God, a faithful He is faithful friends his timing is not always our timing amen I would have had something done yesterday his ways are not always our ways if I had my chance to have purchased my own refrigerator I knew everything would but what did I learn that God sees everything in our life and he provides for us even whenever he doesn't have to Perhaps this morning you've felt the breaking. But can I tell you, the breakings in your life are not to ruin you. It's there to release the goodness that God has placed inside you. So this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, perhaps you've been going through a breaking process. And if you're anything like me, whenever I go through breaking processes, oftentimes I resist the breaking. But since we serve a faithful God, we serve a just God, we serve a kind God, we serve a merciful God, this morning we're going to trust His breaking in our life. And if you've been going through a struggle or you've been facing some difficulties or some questions or some doubts or some frustrations in your own life, what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to take a moment. We're going to lift our hands and surrender. Sometimes we lift them in praise. But we're going to lift them in surrender this morning and say, Lord, break me so that what's on the inside, your promises, can come flying through. Heavenly Father, we lift up our hands to you this morning. And Lord, we confess that we don't always know what's going on. We don't know what's around the corner. But today, Lord God, we lift up our hands. We lift up our faith to you and say, Lord, go ahead and finish the process. I don't see it. I don't necessarily hear it. I can't even imagine what you're doing, but I trust you because you're good. For all my life, you have been faithful all my life. You have been good. And so I surrender to you once again. Can we sing that refrain there, all my life? In all my life you have been faithful. This is who God is, friends. In all my life you have been so Oh, he is good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's sing that together. All my life. All my life you You have have been been faithful. Declare it this morning. You may not see it. You may not know it. All my life you have been so, been so, so good. Oh, you're a good God. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. I, I will sing, sing of the, the goodness. goodness. As we're going to sing that one more time. Let us sink into your spirit. All my life, In all my life, life, you have been faithful. Oh, you are faithful, oh. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will. I will sing of the goodness of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness that you have displayed. Even before our circumstances came into your goodness and your favor and your mercy and your love and your kindness through the person of Jesus Christ, sending your one and only Son to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so today, as we come before you today, we come in the name, in the authority of Jesus. Not in our own authority, not in our own righteousness, not in our own acts of righteousness, Lord God. We come because of who Jesus is. And Lord God, we surrender our lives once again for this new year that you have provided. And we will sing of the goodness of God we love you bless my friends this day I pray that they would walk this out as we wait as we do what's right and Lord as we remember your ways today in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and everybody said amen and amen let's thank the Lord this morning friends hallelujah amen Hallelujah. Amen. You may stand to your feet at this time. I have been requested to go ahead and dismiss you in the name of Jesus, and let's share the goodness of God this week. Amen? God bless you, and thanks for letting me be with you here on this first Sunday in January.